Wow. Go ahead. Okay, you ready for this? <laughs> Woo. Hey, everyone. Good to see all of you. Welcome to Eagle Brook Unplugged. My name is John Alexander. This is Bob Merritt, our senior pastor for the last 28 years. <laughs> and Bob, first question. It's been 28 years. Do you remember what was happening in 1991? Uh like around the world? Yeah, just in the world. What was happening in the world? Let, let, you know, let me give you a few facts. Yeah, you don't even need to answer. That's great. I'll, I'll take this one here. <laughs> few facts. Now, just to be clear, I was eight. I was eight. Wow. Okay. So just to, you know, I don't know how old you were. But here's a couple of fun facts. The USSR dissolved. That's fun. Right? The USSR. That's fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> the top song was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. You guys know it? The top movie, Terminator 2, who even cares? I no. don't know. And do you know who won the World Series in 1991? Well, I do because you reminded me on the way over. Twins did. Yeah, the Minnesota the Twins. twins. I, was, <laughs> I was actually at Game 6 when Puckett put it over the, the rails to uh, extend to Game 7. Yeah. How did you get a ticket to it that? It was unbelievable. Yeah. I just got lucky. You just got lucky. Okay, great. <laughs> well, the other thing that happened in 1991 is you became senior pastor of First Baptist Church of White Bear Lake, later to become known as Eagleburg Church. And what do you remember, if anything, if anything at all? Can you remember the that first far back? Year? <laughs> of that first year of being uh, senior pastor yep. of this church. What do you remember? A couple of things, feeling extremely intimidated. It was just a church of 300, but it, it felt like an enormous uh, church to me, and it was back then. Uh, very insecure, uh, not knowing what I was doing at all. I'd been out of the church scene for three years at Penn State, Came back, a lot changes in three years, and I had never been the senior pastor of that large of a church in a, in a metropolitan area. I was extremely intimidated, and that year was hard. All three of my staff quit, and uh, yeah, and there was some scuttlebutt in the congregation, is, is Bob our guy, and did we make a mistake? And you consider tough. White Bear Lake metropolitan, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of. It was for me. Yeah, it was for you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you showed up that first time you preached. What were worship services like? And specifically, what was what was what kind of music were they playing? What was happening? You remember? It was uh, it was blended worship. It was a weird mix of <laughs> choir. Uh, we had we had drums on one side and organ on the other. Yeah, I you mean, did. our worship leader would play the trombone and then and then put that down and pick up a guitar in a suit coat. It was, it was painful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that leads kind of to the next question. You know what? There's going to yeah. be some of those folks watching this, though, so it wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it just was painful. To it me. was perfect for the era. For that time. Yeah, it was yeah. perfect. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Anyways. All right, this kind of leads to the next question, then. What were the things when you showed up you thought, Man, that's got to change. Well, the, like, music, well, the music had so to change. So you knew that right oh, away. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I knew the church name had to change. It was okay. First Baptist Church of White Bear Lake. And I knew right out of the gate that had to change. Yeah. But I, I never brought it up for five years. Yeah. Because it wasn't something that was worth dying on the hill for. There were, there were other things that were more important than that. Primarily, let's start reaching people. Make sure that what we do inside the walls of this awful name, not awful, again, <laughs> some people will be watching this, uh, but a name that would be a detriment for people to come in, we're, we're, we're going to reach people in spite of that. But it took me five years to actually bring that up and kind of make that change. 
Well, you mentioned this. When you arrived, this was a church of 300 people. And some of those people, and you were kind of making a joke about that, but some of those people are actually still around. I mean, is that wild? Honestly, by the way, some of the most dear people on the planet still pray for me, love me. They're the ones who give me the hugs, Mm -hmm. and they're allowed to do that. So, (laughs) yeah, dearest people on earth. But God gave you a vision, and that vision was to reach the 50,000 people that were within a golf shot of, of First Baptist or Eagle Brook. And your goal, you've said this all along, you've said it so many times, uh, just in the time that I've even been with you the last 10 years, your goal was never to become a big church. So did you ever, in your wildest dreams and fantasies, envision becoming senior pastor of a church with now nine locations, over 25,000 people, just a couple you know, months ago, it was over 28,000 people with another 20,000 who watch online. Yeah, I mean, see, did you ever envision that? How do you explain that? You, you, you... Of course not at all. I remember somebody telling me that we were going to be a church as big as uh, another church on the west side, Wooddale, and they were about 5,000 people. And I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, so people would see it. Certain people were able to see it before I did, and they, they could tell uh, just based on what they experienced and the momentum and movement. But again, I was, I was so stressed and running so fast I was just trying to hang on. Yeah, let's honestly. talk about that season for a second. There was a time, I think late, you know, 1900s, early 2000, <laughs> we'll edit that. <laughs> just backtrack. Let's talk about that season for a second. There was a time <laughs> in like 2000, 2001, where we were running seven services, and you were preaching all of them in that Wiper Lake building, you were doing what we call now is the ping pong. You were preaching at nine o'clock upstairs. Yeah, I don't even remember. I don't remember the times. downstairs. I mean, right. you go back and forth. So while I was preaching upstairs, they were doing worship downstairs. They'd finish that service. A new group would come in. I'd come down and preach in that. They were doing worship upstairs. Uh, almost died. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where bad things were happening <laughs> in my soul. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that was the beginning, really, of what I would call chronic stress, chronic depression, even. Uh, and when you're at your lowest and you, you're out of gas, as the leader, you try to put on a good front. And you, and, and you try to have the appearance, at least, hey, I got this, uh, and let people know we're, we're, I'm good. Don't have to worry about me. But the cracks were there. And, you know, people have been around the church for a while have heard me tell about it. Uh, I was not fun to be around, and especially at home. And it was tough on my wife, tough on my kids. Uh, I began acting out a little bit with staff who were there. Uh, very, I was very hard on staff. If you think I'm tough now, I mean, I'm, a, I'm like a teddy bear. You can hardly believe it. You, you can't even believe me talking about the way I used to be, but it was real. Yeah, but when you're at your lowest... Um, I couldn't see it. I, I, I didn't have the, the awareness, the wherewithal to see my own behavior. Uh, really harsh language, just no time for people, cutting people off. Um, but I was just trying to survive. That's my only defense. But that put me in front of a counselor for a full year. Yeah, what was the wake-up call for you there? Oh, the church board. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that board meeting. And it was Dean Hager, and he's a uh, he's dear, dear friend of mine, but he, he was leading the charge, and he was our chairman at that time, I think, or maybe just a board member, but they'd, they'd gotten together talking, you know, outside of my presence, and they could see it. And they said, look, 
you either get help, get yourself squared away, or you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe, you know, this was 10 years in, 12 years in, and this church was doing this. I was doing this. But that was the wake-up call, and, I, and fortunately, I had enough humility and enough fear, really fear, to say, I, I'm willing to do anything. Yeah. I, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to disgrace this community, my family. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And fortunately, in their wisdom, the board helped me through that. Yeah. In many ways, it probably saved your life. Saved yeah. your career, I mean, certainly, but it's yeah. probably saved other aspects you know, of your life, too. Who knows what would have happened. Yeah. I, I don't even like to think about it, yeah. to be honest. It's yeah. good. Well, you've been known for a lot of things, but one of those things, and I think we'd all agree, uh, is that you are a master storyteller, truly, you, both in your messages and your books. And so I'm wondering, why are stories so important in your communication and in your writing? Why do you find those to be so valuable? I just think story is what life is. Uh, kids love stories. Read me a story. You know. We adults love story. And I, I've always said, tell a story about your dog. Everybody loves dog. Cats, not so much, but dogs. Tell a story about your dog, <laughs> about your kids, about your family, about some. Here's the key to storytelling, a big key to it, by the way, if you want to tell stories. Something that went wrong. Everybody loves a train wreck. Everybody <laughs> loves to hear when you screwed up or it fell apart or whatever. And so, and then the dialogue is in the, hu- the humor is in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. What do people say? That's where it's funny. Yep. When your wife says, what's, you idiot, and, you know, <laughs> to you. And you can repeat that in yeah, public. Yeah, true. And then everybody else is saying, oh, it's not just me. You know, he's got issues too. Yeah. Uh, but why tell stories? Jesus, in the, in the gospel said, the gospel writer Matthew said, everywhere he went, he told a story, he told a parable. He didn't, yeah. he didn't teach without teaching a parable. Yeah. And a parable is a story about real life. And so that's when people, you know, engage. And they, oh, I can relate to that. Oh, you're, not, you're human. You're real. And stories are where it's at. Yeah. And you've got to tell stories. Now, you run incredibly fast. You are incredibly busy. But one thing I've noticed as just a younger leader watching you is that you find just enough margin to do things that you love. Now, my first part of this question is why do you love those things like golf, hunting, those kind of things? And what else has contributed to just you being able to find just enough time to do things that you enjoy? I don't know why I love them. I grew up with both of those things you mentioned, hunting and Mm -hmm. and golf. Um, So that's just part of who I am. but how did I find, you know, out of, out of necessity, John, I mean, to survive, I, I had to have that day, and I guarded that day uh, with my life uh, just to survive. The Bible speaks about that. You know, work six days, work five or six days, take that Sabbath day off, rest. It actually says rest. How many of us rest? And so I rest in my recreation a lot when I'm fishing or hunting or even golfing, we golf a little bit, and mm-hmm. we usually go alone. I don't like a big party because I don't like to talk to people. Yeah, let's talk, Not, about, let's talk when, about golfing for a second, yeah. golfing together. Let's talk about your style of golf. This will be shocking for you. Not everyone's going to get to golf with you. You and I have. I've never beaten you. You always crush me. But we play rounds in how fast do you think we play? Mm, three hours. Two and a half. Three <laughs> hours. Rounds of golf typically take four, yeah. and there's been a few times where I've had to run 
down the golf course to catch up with you. Seriously, you've yelled at me to like, get on your horse, let's go. Especially when we're passing people, you right. hate yeah. taking their time. So you play quickly. Speed uh, golf. Yeah, let's go back to this rest ahead. thing really quickly and then we'll move on to reflect on this last year. Rest. Uh, one of the things I've admired about you is that you have resisted um, the opportunities that have afforded you. These extra things, you know, go speak here, come consult here, go teach that. You just say no because you know in your spirit you need to rest, you need that day off. Yeah. How have you resisted that? What, what, part, of it is, part of it is personality driven. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm, an ext, I'm, not, I'm an introvert. I actually don't like, I don't like the lights, I don't like uh, cameras, I don't, I don't like the stage. I actually, I don't love being on the stage teaching. I love teaching itself. I love those moments where I know the Holy Spirit is just speaking right through me. Uh, but it's really, really hard. But I also know that there's only three or, two or three things that I can do really, really well. And if I don't do those things well, it's over. If I don't devote myself to the discipline of studying and preparation, just like musicians and teachers and all, all you guys, if you don't devote yourself to the prep work, the five, six days that goes into a 35-minute talk, and then getting that into your spirit and your, your mind so you can be freed to deliver that, it's over. And so, because that takes so much effort, and I'm gifted in it, but it takes an extremely, extreme amount of effort, I know that's the ball game. And so it's very easy for me to say no to everything else that comes my way, you know, opportunities to travel or to speak elsewhere or whatever, because we wouldn't, we wouldn't be our church yeah. if the senior pastor yeah. Does all that other stuff. We're grateful for that because you have to resist things like power or notoriety or, or money. Those yeah, again, other opportunities might pay money. I mean, those kind of things. You just, <laughs> you say no relentlessly. I mean, it's truly, I, I you're do, one of a kind. But I also way. think that's where success happens when you're focused and you do that one or two things extremely well and you show up every day and you just do what God's called you to do and don't get pulled off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do it for 30 years. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. Um, okay. I'm going to throw a few numbers at you and look back at the last year. This last year, Eagle Brook Church, we saw 1,800 baptisms and 6,001 people make a decision to follow Christ. What do those numbers mean to you? You know, obviously, those are um, enormous numbers. But you and I get emails, right, every week. I just read a few of them today, and it really comes down to who's ever sitting in that particular seat that day, and God's Spirit speaks to that person and gives them hope. I read an email today that just, I couldn't get through it because of the pain that this woman had gone through and is going through but is now being restored through our church and her family is now coming with her. Just incredible events in people's lives. And to hear, to know that that person found our church a year ago and redeemed her, that's going to be the hardest thing for me to extract myself from. Mm-hmm. Because these are real people. 
Uh, so that the 6,001 just represents each, each chair, yeah. each person. And that's, I never, never get tired of that. Yeah. That's why I'm here. That's yeah. why you're here. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, some of those people I'm sure are, are watching right now. People whose lives that have been transformed just in the last year. I mean, radically transformed. People who are newer to faith and newer to that relationship with Jesus Christ and newer to experience some of that freedom. What would you say to them? What would be your encouragement to those people? It's a start. You know, God will never leave you or forsake you. God loves you more than you'll ever know. But you're going you're gonna to hit rough patches. You're going to hit patches where you doubt, where your faith, you don't feel God. And I don't feel God often. Uh, but faith is not something you feel. It, the feelings do accompany it sometimes when we're in worship or when you're in a, you know, in a service and you, you, got, you, you sense God's Spirit speaking to you. But it really is an obedience, um, day by day. And my wife, we were talking about my message coming up next week, and I was working my way through it, and I said, hey, would you read these first 14 pages? I'm struggling a little bit. And she did, and she said, I just, Bob, this verse I read this morning, First Thessalonians 4.11, which says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, mind your own business, and just do what God brings your way. Very simple verse. And that's what I would, I would tell anybody. Hey, just make it your goal to live a quiet life, mind your own business, and put your hand to what God has called you to do. And God will honor that yeah. day by day. Yeah. yeah. That's great. This year also we launched not one, but two new campuses. Do you remember doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Lakeville yeah, yeah. and Rochester, yeah, yes. Now, we've never done that in one year before. Two in one? Two in one year. What, what are your hopes for those communities? I mean, as we, you know, Lakeville was really the, the completion of the vision to surround the Twin Cities, and then God just made Rochester happen in so many ways. What are your hopes for those two communities specifically? Just that, you know, each of those campuses would, the people in those campuses would find the courage and boldness and God to give them opportunities to invite so that others can be reached and experience what we've experienced yeah. um, and that they'll have an influence that just spreads yep. you know, throughout those communities. Yeah. You know, just final thing about this year, and it's probably the most significant thing in your life, um, but you announced your retirement, and that was on September 20th and 21st of this year. And I, I got to ask, we all, we all heard the message. We all heard what you said. We, we listened to the words. We want to know what you were feeling. What kind of emotions were you experiencing walking up there at the 4 o'clock service there on Saturday? Yeah, so I, I'd lived with that decision for 18 months. Mm -hmm. And to me, there was a couple of things. Great relief to be able to finally let the public know um, what was on my heart for quite some time. Uh, but I was nervous, and I, you know, I, I'm glad that people clapped for me, and I think most of them stood up and applauded, because what if they didn't? So I was nervous, but then I was also very grateful to hear people responding to the, the plan 
to hand the baton off to Jason. Mm -hmm. um, but I was very nervous, of course, but again, just relieved. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like having a baby, you know, you're... Yeah, it's like it's, a lot like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, you, the first, you carry it for nine months, I guess. Yeah, and just out it comes. Just. And then it's... <laughs> well, in all seriousness, you, to make that connection... <laughs> Where are we going to go with that? I don't know. I... <laughs> okay, you, you mentioned in the message that uh, you said, I, I actually don't know what I'm going to do. And your, your final date, by the way, is your 63rd birthday. It's mm -hmm. March 1st. Um, you didn't know what you were going to do beyond that. You, you said that. And you showed up Monday morning oh, yeah. as if that burden had been lifted, a veil had been lifted. And you kind of were starting to hear from God getting some stirrings on like, I think I maybe have some idea. Do you have mind sharing about that at all, what you're going to do March 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th? Well, you know, I, I'm, I am committed to spending uh, a good six months being quiet, letting my heart and mind clear and let God speak to me. I, I truly believe in God's uh, desire to want to speak to me, and whenever I quiet my life enough, he does that, and so I'm committed to that. I, I, uh, so there's, there is a piece of it that I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I, the human side of me, uh, you know, I've been asked over the past few years, hey, could you come to our church and uh, help us through a tough time or a senior pastor? Hey, could I spend a day with you? Or, and I've, I've had to say no to all of that. So maybe there's an opportunity to help other folks. Uh, some of the things I've seen, there might, be, there might be some speaking involved, but it takes me so much to get to a point where my message is, I just, I'm tired of writing. Can I say this? No. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Still got a few more. I mean, you know, last weekend, I, I, I came off the weekend, and I was, it was a pretty emotional weekend yeah. for me, that final story about my grandson Silas, and it was a whole family dynamic that was involved in that. And then Monday morning, I'm back at it, starting start, to, got to be creative, got to be fresh. What am I going to say new this week? And I'm, honestly, I'm looking forward to letting that go, Yeah. Uh, at least for a season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Might be some speaking. There might be a book, another book, but I don't have a passion right now for that. Yeah. There's always got to be a passion for it. So yeah. we'll see. All right. We look back a little. Now let's shift gears and look towards the future. You're not going to be our senior pastor for the next decade, but next year starts a new decade, 2020. So really quickly for fun, I just want your predictions on these things, if they'll happen in the next decade. Okay. First, Will the Vikings win a Super Bowl I think in they this will. next decade? I really think they will. You will. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, you're behind them. You support them. You know, and I, I'm a realist. I, I just, but I think they, I think it's their time. All right. Will you get an Instagram account so you can see pictures <laughs> even, of your you, grandkids? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that is like never going to happen. All right. Great. Uh, Ever. <laughs> in the next decade. By the time the decade's over, will Jason Strand still have a full head of red hair, or will he start to go gray or even bald? What do you think? No, with he'll the stress? have hair. I mean, his, you know, he's got it now. He'll have it. Yeah, do red hair people get gray hair? I actually was I thinking know. that the other day. Have you seen, like, a grayish red yeah. hair person? I don't know. I, I actually don't know that. No. Yeah. Final thing, will you get so good at golf, and you're already a good golfer, will you shoot a round of golf under par? 
You know, I've golfed for a long time, John. I've, I've not shot par or under par. Close, but not. Yeah, I'm saying so. will you in the next decade? No. Okay, great. <laughs> great. <so> okay. <laughs> so no you haven't then, you won't in the future. I you doubt just, it. What if you played every day for... I'm not going to do that. Okay, great. <laughs> no. <laughs> By the way, I'm going ha- to still have a ministry purpose somehow. Yeah, I know, somehow. I know. You're I not... just don't know exactly what it's going to be. Right, you're not just going to golf. I just... I am not, Would you get no. better at it that you might... I've only no. played once a week for the last... Yeah, yeah once a week is good. Maybe yeah. twice. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead. A few more here. Um, starting in January. Now, uh, we're going to start a new series called I've Got Issues. It's a great one for, for you because you have issues. <laughs> <laughs> Not as many as you used to, but you still got some. But we've been talking about this series for a while. We planned it way back in, in May, actually. Why should people invite other people to this series? We all have it. We all have issues, John. What are your issues? What is your... First thing that comes to mind, what is your number one issue? (laughs) Well, I I would say, I've talked about this, but anxiety. Yeah. And what's the first message of that that series? Anxiety. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I would say... (laughs) (laughs) You're not speaking it. No, I'm not. No, I'm going to be there. So you should be there in the front row. But anyway... Yeah, and I speak the next message, which is anger. And that's probably number two for me, honestly. Yeah, and I'm that's... I'm not just saying that. Yeah. I get mad, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I haven't experienced have a ton seen of me anger mad? Have you really personally. Se- seriously. Yes, you have. One time we did something you didn't appreciate, and you sat across the desk from me and the high school teaching oh, pastor time, Alex Grauman. This was probably before. Six or seven years ago, and you did throw your glasses towards us. No, that was and just. Uh, no. Throw. No, I just went, just I can't. Was, yeah. <laughs> I used to do that with my reading glasses. Yeah, but you kind of. I think they. In exasperation, I just flip them up in the air like this. <laughs> How can you not see this? I don't know. We couldn't. We couldn't, but now we see, we see well, yeah. so, yeah. But that was, you needed that. Yeah, we did. Thank you. You, <laughs> you Thank did. You. I remember that. Spe- I'll never forget that. I, yeah, I don't either. You and AD won. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, th- yeah, never mind. You know what? What, I, what? what I've come to know about you is that you're doing it out of love. Of <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, in February, we're doing our indoor baptism service. Actually, this year, it's on Super Bowl Sunday when the Seahawks will be in the Super Bowl. And so many people, I know, so many people who are on the fence yeah. about baptism. For those that are, what would you say directly to them? You know, uh, baptism is one of those things in our Christian faith. It's biblical. Um, you know, the Bible says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Every one of you. It's, it's, it's actually a command, a New Testament command. And it's really the first step of obedience after repentance. And if, and if I want to live an obedient life, wouldn't I want to do the first step? And I honestly believe that for some people who are Christians, they've, they've put their faith in Christ, but they haven't been baptized. There's, there's something that's in the way, something that's holding them back from all they could be, all that God wants during the life. And I just think, man, if you're sitting on the fence, don't sit on the fence. Put a stake in the, take a stand. Be willing to be embarrassed. 
Even if you're an adult or an older person, don't worry about that. It's all about you and God. And I'm telling you, that could be the breakthrough in your spiritual life. Um, take the lead if you're a dad, if you're a mom. Man, baptism can be that catalyst to take you to the next place in your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So. Well, we're going to hear a few final messages from you uh, before your final weekend on February 29th, March 1st. And I just got to ask, how are you feeling about that last final service? You're just going to finish, drop the mic, and... Yeah, no, I should tell you I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually, it's, uh, there's a lot of mixed emotions about that. I think it's going to be a, a fantastic service, by the way. I think people are going to really um, enjoy it. I think my son's going to speak a little bit, and my daughter, and uh, I'll speak, but, you know, and then there's going to be a handoff to Jason, Yeah. and that's going to be a very big moment for yeah. me and for him Yeah. and for our church, and so um, what gives me peace is that God has given me peace that this is the right thing and it's the right time. And I look at our church, I look at our staff that we have, John, wouldn't you agree? Our staff, present staff, is the very best staff. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, we, you travel more than I do around other churches. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade them for anything, would no. you? Mm -mm, nothing. And even just recently, these last couple of years, the staff that God has added to our church are incredible. Yep. I sit back and I, I look at what goes on and watch our staff do their thing. And I'm like, they got this. Yep. Mm -hmm. They don't need me. Yep. So it's time. Yeah. Is this still going to be your church when you retire? Of course. Yep. This is, I love this church. Okay, final question just for people who are watching and, and joining us. Uh, it is a new year, 2020. It's a new decade. People are thinking about new habits, new routines, and you are such a man of consistency, faithfulness, and disciplines. For, so for those looking to start something new, to, to break free from something, just to live a life worth living? Because that's, that's people's mindsets often in a new year. What would be your advice? Get to a place where you don't have to make resolutions. That's just, I, I don't know where that came from, but yeah. I don't make resolutions. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because of that First Thessalonians 4.11 verse, make it your goal, live a quiet life, mind your business, walk with God. Um, having said that, <laughs> we all have issues. <laughs> so what I would say to the person who needs to make, and we all do, I guess, I, I, I still do because I'm not perfect, but try to figure out what is that one area that you need to improve on? What is that one area that still trips you up, gets in the way, causes problems in your family, your relationships? What is it? If you could change this one thing to make your life and others around you better, focus on that. Yeah. It's really good. Anxiety, anger. Thank you. Yeah, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Work on it. <laughs> I've never seen you really angry. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me just say to conclude, on behalf of our church, um, we're so grateful for you. For 28 years, you have led this church faithfully and consistently and with discipline and you've looked to God and it hasn't been easy at all 
Um, there's been lots of challenges and seasons where you've, you've had to overcome, even if it's just personally, um, you've had to overcome those things, but, but you are going to finish this race, and we are so, so grateful for that. And you have mentioned many times to me, and you've mentioned many times to, to our people, our congregation, that God has been so good to you, hasn't he? You don't deserve it. <laughs> no. Either do no, I. But, no, honestly. I mean, God has been so good no, I, to you. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, once a week, maybe yep. more. Yep. Why me? Yep. Why, why did you put your hand on me? Yeah. I, I don't get it. And, and he's been good to us as a church, hasn't he? He's really no, blessed our yeah. church. He's been faithful. And we say often that, yeah. why is God choosing to use us? Mm-hmm. And I think... More often than not, it's because of your humility. Mm. God wants to use people who are submitting to him ultimately, and you have done that. You are doing that. Mm. And so really turning it to people who are, are joining us, um, we want you to know that wherever you're watching from, that God is good. You might not feel it, but it's not a feeling all the time. You might not sense that God's goodness is ever-present in the world and, and in your life, but but we want you to know that ultimately he is a good God and he will come through. And so no matter what season you're in, we want you to experience that goodness as you turn from 2019 into 2020. And so we're going to sing about the goodness of God. And so maybe together and wherever you are, again, joining us from, that you will declare that, God, you are good. Even if I can't see it, even if I don't know it, God, you are good. And so we're going to stand and sing this one final song together.
together. Uh, Father, thank you so much that you are good to us. And we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't feel it. Certainly don't deserve it. But like Kenny said earlier, it's your nature, God, to love us. Even when we're unlovable. And not living like we should you still are good to us you still chase us down God I pray for every person who is hearing this prayer today God that you will uh, reach through the video screen or the, the computer screen God that you will remind each person this person that you are good to them you love them you sent your son Jesus to pay for their sin and mine. God, you're good to us, even when we don't see it. So, Lord, I pray for um, I pray for hope and joy that we'll be able to feel your love and know that you love us no matter what. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness and goodness to us, we pray. In Jesus' name.